0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back to Afternoons here on News Talk 770. I'm Andrew Lutton, guest hosting for Rob Breckenridge this afternoon, and it is so great to have you tuned into the show here. One big challenge that we've seen in Canada in the last couple of years has been government and law enforcement adapting after Canada's prostitution laws were changed. Just as a bit of a refresher, we've adopted what is very similar to what's known as the Nordic model which is uh, putting basically the onus and criminalizing the procurement of sex, uh, the prostitution by pimps and managers and uh, these people that tend to run the show, but not actually the act itself that uh, basically a lot of proponents of the change in law recognizes is based in a lot of cases on women predominantly who are victims themselves, not people who should be treated as criminals. But one thing that hasn't changed is how readily available sex services are if you go online. And people can laugh and chuckle all they want, but I have, for research purposes, I assure you, gone online and and seen just how easy it is. If you wanted to access a prostitute, to go on a website, which is a common website, Backpage.com, Craigslist, these are the two big ones, even with law enforcement officials in Canada and in the U.S. targeting them specifically that people are using. And this has also been for sexual trafficking, something that is known to the, those who are actually in the industry. But there was a great study that was done by researchers in Atlanta and in Chicago trying to actually speak to pimps. How they're getting around it, how concerned they are, what it is that they're actually looking for, or how it is they've actually evolved their practice, if we can even call it that, because of the illegality of what they're doing and because of police smartening up. And suffice it to say, they seem to be doing pretty well. The study really concludes, or the research rather, that police stings don't really do all that much to curb the online sex trade, with pimps saying they're hiding in plain sight. I wanted to welcome in to the program here researcher Loretta Stalens, who is a professor of criminal justice and criminology at Loyola University, Chicago. Dr. Stalins, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So let's talk first off about really your, your research methodology here. I mean, I never would have thought it would be as easy as you've really described it to actually get pimps who are operating outside the law to talk about what they're doing, but you seem to be able to do it. Uh,
1: it, wasn't, it wasn't as easy as it probably was described. It did take a little while to uh, set up rapport Uh and basically, pimps operate in somewhat of a network. Not all of them, but once you establish yourself as a uh, trustworthy researcher and not an undercover cop, uh, they will spread the word um, and what willing to talk. Um, that was uh, so. It was it was establishing a reputation uh, in Chicago that. Um, And that got the pimps uh, to eventually come and talk and have a conversation. And the other thing that we learned that I really didn't know going into it is that some of these pimps initially set up the interviews thinking that we were actually just sex workers looking for managers. Um, And then others set it up because they have egos, that they want uh, their their life story out in academic books. Um, So that that was the process. We interviewed uh, pimps from posting advertisements. I also uh, received uh, about nine pimps from other pimps' referrals or from a sex worker's referral.
0: So this is really interesting here because uh, it seems like even with internet where it's a lot more accessible for people, anyone can just log into an account, you don't need to be connected to other people, that we still see that connection. We still see people knowing each other just from being in the same, and I don't even like calling it an industry because I think it legitimizes it, but being in the same field, if you will. Well,
1: there are websites where it just Just like Facebook allows people in general to socialize and keep connections, there are uh, websites that allow people in the sex trade, whether they're clients, sex workers, or managers, to talk. Uh, One would be the erotica review. Uh, So I analyzed posts from the legal corner of the, the erotica review, which For one year, I downloaded I don't know how many thousand posts, and that whole uh, chat room was focused on how to uh, avoid law enforcement, and that was part of uh, part of the research that we actually combined with the interviews with pimps for one of our studies uh, to talk about whether they had realistic. Uh, beliefs about what happens in underground things. And they did, because on those websites are lawyers, uh, law students, some police officers. We we often think that individuals in the sex trade are different from other people, but the fact is that the... the some of them are leading what I would call a parallel life. Hmm. They, they, you know, I can't tell you the percentage, but off the top of my head, uh, let's see, about one-third of the pimps in Chicago had MBA degrees or uh, college degrees. Really? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, our stereotype of a pimp typically isn't a college-educated person, right?
0: No, you think of someone who is involved in, you know, gangs, drugs, which I guess they may exactly. well be, but you don't think of someone who, you know, wears a, a button-down shirt to work in Monday to Friday.
1: Right. Well, one of one of its pimps was a retired CEO. He happened to... Know a lot of high-powered executives that wanted sex workers, found some high-end escorts, and is making a good living of you know in the three hundred thousand range rather than than his typical salary, which is probably over a million before he retired. So um, that that is actually one of the. Uh, contributions of our research. In Chicago, we were able to obtain uh, individuals who had not been part of the pimp research before. Typically before that, it was those who were were arrested or black pimps. Um, And that is, I would have to look at my study to tell you, but 23 In Chicago, we had 23 white pimps, 15 black pimps, 2 Latinos, 1 Asian, and 2 mixed race. So half of the sample, at least half, were white. And the, the, uh, the education did range from high school dropouts to, to uh, 15 completing four-year college and just looking at the Chicago sample.
0: As this becomes a bigger and bigger priority for law enforcement, what did you find were really the main tactics or techniques that were used to evade detection by law enforcement?
1: There, there's a three that, and they go you know, by these. One is knowing who you're talking to, trustworthy connections. So, uh. There are websites now that are called verification websites. So before a sex worker engages in an interaction or a pimp, the clients now have to give their information, literally their driver's license, and they are put in a website that's for the pimps and the sex workers' protection. And not, you know, not everyone uh, on with online prostitution has a pimp. Indeed. It's unclear how many do versus are self-employed, but there's certainly uh, those that, you know, are managed versus those who are self-employed. And the other thing is that client, there are websites like if you go on the erotica review, uh, that clients rate sex workers, Um, and that includes, you know, Sex workers, uh, there will be descriptions if sex workers attempt to charge them more than what was their agreed upon price. They create dialogue also around undercover stings. So that information gets out in two ways. One, sometimes the media stories provide that information. I had one pimp who uh, went. To the Chicago Police Department's website to look at the daily uh, prostitution blog because that the police department posts where they were doing stings. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's seems smart, to defeat right? the purpose,
0: quite frankly.
1: Exactly. That that is our point uh, because to deter someone, whether it's a child or an offender, that deterrence cannot be predictable. You can't always have them predict when you're watching, right? So it would be better to keep that ambiguity uh, rather than reveal things occurred here. So uh, one example of hiding is now they don't post ads um, that include the location because police officers are scanning these ads, and if it includes the location and they think – then it's more easy to find that person in an un- undercover steam. Uh, they post ads that uh, have a near of legitimacy, uh, that they're massage therapists and with degrees and, you know, all the tools or their movie extra uh, models, um, those are some ways. Uh, then you have Google Voice. So once once those ads are posted, clients may call in, but a client can be a police officer. Uh, one way that pimps hide their identity is through Google Voice. I Not do,
0: using I a traceable cell phone, for example.
1: It, yeah, oh, well, a burner phone is what they call that. Yeah. But Google Voice, you can, you can call four numbers before you call the person. I didn't know this until literally taught me <laughs> some of these things. Uh, so the technology out there allows uh, a great deal of anonymity um, that we didn't have as much when it was just street prostitution or, you know, picking up in indoor areas like strip clubs or bars. So those are some of the, um, and then the other one, uh, particularly for sex trafficking, and sex trafficking is different than prostitution in that sex trafficking involves for adults either force or fraud in trying to get them to participate, to become workers in the sex trade, or if a child's involved, it's automatically sex trafficking, at least in U.S. law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they advertised children, uh, initially clients 10 years ago when PAMPs and sex workers created sort of these acronyms and posted in advertisements, roses meant money, and they had specific acronyms for specific sex acts that they were willing to do, et cetera. Well, the police uh, infiltrated that and learned those acronyms, and the PAMPs avoid uh anything that puts them close to the sex trade because they want to appear to be in in the legitimate world. um so instead they use terms like doll baby doll uh sweet girl and these are terms that we allow pimps to hide we being society, because we still use those terms for adult women in a chauvinistic way. You can hear those terms on in movies and, you know, in advertisements for cars, etc. So that is how they now uh, indicate to clients that this worker, or they have available workers that are underage, And they typically do not post um, real pictures. They get fake pictures from the web uh, and post them. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, sort of hiding, and that's what what we mean by hiding in plain sight. Uh, Using language of the regular society rather than specific, specialized language of a deviant culture. And uh, using uh, fake pictures, uh, so hiding by the sort of covers that society provides rather than associating with oneself uh, the, um, you know, in with the deviant culture. And the other thing that they do, uh, well, at least the pimps that were making a lot of money, if they were making over 100000 or had nine or more sex workers in Chicago, one-third of them had legal experts on the inside.
0: Yeah, and just some seeing of- some of the, the salary numbers there blew my mind away. Unfortunately, right. I do have to take a break here, Dr. Salins, but I wanted to thank you very much for your research on this, shining the light on it, and also for your time today. So thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: All right. All the best to you. have to take a quick break here. When we come back in just a couple of moments, more afternoons on News Talk 770 with guest host Andrew Lawton. Stay tuned. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.